0: And now, another timely and powerful message from Pastor Emmanuel Williams and Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee.
1: Turn to Matthew 15, 21 to 28. Matthew 15, 21 to 28. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciple came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have mercy, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meek to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, True, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, Great is thy faith, for it unto thee even as thou will. And her daughter was made from that very hour. Can you look at your sister to the right or to the left and say, you can, can you help a sister out? And if you're sitting next to a brother, you can still tell him, can you help a sister out? Or can you help a mother out? Brothers and sisters... Anyone who has studied the life of Jesus knows that he was always on the move. He was always going from one place to another. And this is not a casual notation. When we read the life of Jesus, he is always going somewhere. He's always busy. He's always getting people saved. He's always healing someone. And then in the previous chapter, Jesus had carried most of his ministry in Galilee. But now he went away because of the rapid morning pressure that he faced here. So he was under pressure first from all the multitudes who followed him from place to place and were convinced he was the long predicted Messiah. Second, Jesus was under the pressure of possible arrest. And you remember that he was because he was preaching and telling orders about him. Obviously, he had a mark on his head. And the greatest pressure, however, was from the Jewish religious leaders. They wanted so much to tarnish his name. And so besides, he needed some physical refreshment and time to be alone with his disciple. He needed some rest. And so Jesus withdrew from all the issues and all the distraction. And in our text, it says... That's when he went to Tyre. And this is enough for us to draw one conclusion. And that Jesus is now demonstrating he is the savior of the entire world. Remember, Jesus came in an unfamiliar environment. He was a Jew and now he was stepping into the Gentiles territory. And you say, what's significant about that? It's all because whenever you open the gospel of Matthew, you have to remember that the gospel is written to the Jews to demonstrate that Jesus is the Messiah. And for Matthew to conclude the Gentiles is a literal way of saying to us or teaching us a lesson that Jesus is in fact the savior of the entire world. And that's a sermon all by itself, right? We can say and we can celebrate and we can thank him for being the savior of the Jews and the Gentile. And as he went to an unfamiliar territory, and verse 22 says, and behold, suddenly, unexpectedly, he encountered a woman. He encountered a Canaanite woman. It is at that moment he met a desperate woman. And women, you know when we are desperate, we do anything. Desperate moments, desperate measures require us to go anywhere and do anything to save someone and it says, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord. Thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a demon, a devil. Here the lady breaks every rule. She was a Gentile and remember she worshiped a pagan god she didn't know anything about jesus but i'm sure you know how gossip spreads right so gossip spread and she heard a little about jesus and she did not care who she encountered all she wanted to know was can you heal my daughter she comes to jesus because there's crisis there's chaos and confusion in her life She need help, not for herself, but for her child. But as a good mother who cares for her child, and ladies, you know, we do anything for our children. She came to Jesus because she got a daughter that is not living right. She got a daughter that is not acting right. She got a daughter that is in desperate need of help. The child perhaps must have strayed away from her values or her upbringing. She's acting in a way that's not parallel to the way her parents raised her. And here, the Canaanite woman come crying out to God. Crying out to him say, have mercy on me. And you know, a lot of times we hear that word, have mercy on us. And sometimes it falls on dead ears because... This is a casual language that we sometimes use. We look at the sports and we say, have mercy, Jesus. The cowboys are losing, Lord have mercy. (laughs) The Steelers are up, Lord have have mercy. We throw those words so casually, but here, those words carry the weight of a mother that is desperate. This is a prayerful request for help. Lord, have mercy on me. And that sounded like blind Bartimaeus in Mark ten fifty two, which says, "Lord, have mercy." It sounded like the blind man in Luke ten forty eight, which says, "Jesus, have mercy." Ah! Uh, it sounded like David in Psalms five fifty one, it says, "Have mercy on me, O oh Lord." And sometimes, when we are going through things like we sang, and we cannot have, we don't have any words to say, all we can say sometimes, Lord have mercy. And notice her prayer requests. Her prayer request was not for a car. Her prayer request was not for cash. Her prayer request was not for a Lamborghini, which Emmanuel promised me. Her prayer request was not for clothes. She was praying for mercy, but the problem was with her child. Her child is tripping, y'all. Her child is not acting right. Her child is acting like she's losing her mind. And here she is saying, Lord, have mercy on me. The problem, the crisis, the chaos is with the child. But she's asking Jesus to have mercy on me, and so when I analyze the text, ladies, we can imply that that lady must be blaming herself internally for something she has done. Perhaps she said, If I could only be a better parent, if I only could be a good wife, if I only could be so busy then my child perhaps could be acting right if only I could perhaps I could have a job and she would not be a prostitute Lord have mercy and since let me just say it doesn't matter how wonderful you are sometimes bad things does happen right in your circle then she called him she said son of david but but how could she have known that she's a gentile and here she's calling him the son of david she must have heard how he had saved people She must have heard how he have healed the lady with the issue of blood. She must have heard that he raised a little girl from the dead. She must have heard how he stopped a funeral. She must have heard how he fed the multitudes. A desperate woman go against everything. That her culture have introduced her to. Could it be the reason why most of us are in the state we are in? Because we don't reflect on what God has done for us in the past. And there is a reason why we remember these stories. It reminds us that God, if God did it back then, He can do it for us. Son of David... Have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed. But see the reaction of Jesus. He did not answer a word. If there's ever a situation in which I think Jesus should respond, it's someone of a different nationality coming to him. And I have to say that that really bothers me. And you know why it bothers me? It's because I know who Jesus is. He said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the verse later tells us, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus had done so much more with people less, and yet still the lady called. But the latter verse of verse 23 says... And his disciple came and besought him saying, send her away for she crieth after us. Hold on. She did not even speak to the armor bearers. She did not even speak to the associate ministers. She spoke to Jesus. A single woman comes to a single savior. And yet the text says that the disciple turned to Jesus and said, Lord, would you please send her away because she's bothering us. Are you all reading the text? Now you know they're lying. They are not telling the truth because she didn't even holler after them. She didn't say how you're doing. She didn't say I came to do anything. She just went straight to Jesus and said, have mercy, my, de- my daughter is demon-possessed. A woman in desperation, women, we know how we do, crying for help for the person that they love. And the disciples had no compassion. Send her away. She keeps crying after. Really? She did not. Isn't that what us mothers supposed to do in moments of desperation? On behalf of our children? That we are supposed to raise our voice continually after God. Interceding for our children? And I just want to tell somebody a little secret. Your praise is not good until it bothers someone. Your praise is no good until it bothers someone. You can as well just do a pew check. And ask your neighbors. Is my praise bothering you, mother? And his sword will tell them, you have not seen nothing yet. At 11 o'clock, I was giving God my all. Wait till next week when you sit next to me. Ah, sure. Oh, Marco Sheba. If you thought I shouted last week. You ain't seen nothing yet. Oh you might as well not see close to Elder Jan. Oh, and you better check to the person next to you and see that you're not sitting next to a praise hater. Because you don't need no praise hater in the house. You need a praise giver. That when you give your all to God, they understand why you're crying out. Amen. I need you, Ellen, back. Hello. Oh. You ain't trying to sit next to nobody who look like they are sucking lemons. And who sing the national Baptist song. We shall not be moved. You need you need movers and shakers when you're in desperate situation. The devil is a liar. God has been too good for you to sit there and don't give him your all. You might as well open your mouth, throw your head back, and say, Thank you, Jesus, for what he's done. Your praise is no good until it bothers somebody. You better ask your neighbor, is my praise bothering you? Is my dance bothering you? Don't sit by me because you ain't seen nothing yet. And just wait when he's brought me through 100% and you'll see what my praise will do. Lord, send her away, the disciples said, because she's bothering us. She's driving us crazy. Elder Jane, doesn't she know we don't shout like that? Doesn't she understand that there's protocol in the house of God? Doesn't she know we don't holler like that? Doesn't she know we don't dance like that? Doesn't she know we don't ride the hills like that? Mm. Would you send her away because she's driving us nuts. And you have not praised God until you make somebody mad. You know you praise God when the devil takes notice of your praise. I just need one person who said that the devil is taking notice of my praise because he thought I was going to shout this morning. I wasn't going to shout this morning. But he saw me shouting anyway. He thought I wasn't going to come to church. But he saw me come to church anyway. He thought I wasn't going to sing. But I was singing anyway. She comes in desperation to meet the Savior. But she had to meet with some deluded saints. When she comes in desperation, she meets a disinterested Savior because he's not moved by desperation. And the disciples said, Lord, send her away. She's crying after us. Really? Attention seekers. Listen to verse 24, records Jesus' response. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now I felt bad for this mother because first the disciples wanted her to leave. Second, Jesus was quiet. And third, when Jesus answered, the answer he gives her don't even make no sense. All she wanted to know was, "Can you help a sister out? Can you help a mother out? Can you heal my daughter?" I don't know what the Lordship of Israel has to do with my situation. Perhaps that's what she said and that's what I would say. And I know this might bother you all, but you could agree that sometimes the response of your prayer gives you a, uh, really? You want a tall man, but he sends a short one. Be real. You wanted a Deborah, but here he is, sending a Delilah. The answer sometimes does not add up, and I know we have some spiritual sins in the house this morning. But every now and again, he gives Cheryl a response that I do not like. That makes no sense. And can I get real? I can go ahead and confess just a little. Stuff like bless them who despitefully use you. Tell your neighbor, you know what? That don't make no sense. Somebody gonna use me and I'm going to bless them. Oh, oh, here's another one. If somebody slaps you, turn the other cheek. Now that don't make no sense. And then the other one, he says, he asks you to go a mile not just a mile but make sure you go an extra mile then then that one really gets me give and it shall be given but i ain't have no money to give and he's asking me to give i ain't got nothing that's what we say sometimes to those of us that's not so spiritual Because we see that we only have $20 in the bank. The light bill is $15. And here EJ's asking me for $5 for school. And then I have to give 10% tithes? You must be kidding me. That is asking me to give and it shall be given? And if I was this woman with the response that he gave me, and some of us, we could maybe would have cursed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I said it, hmm We would not be pleased that he's giving the savior of the world, the one I have heard about, that he had performed miracles and yet he's telling me about that foolishness. But Jesus said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But what he was, but, but that is so important, right? Because now he's speaking about actually in terms of Priority. And I know most of you already know that, but I want to say it for some of us that still trying to learn. It's a statement of priority. Jesus said, I was not sent to you. You are secondary. I was sent first to the Jews. Remember, she was a Gentile. I was sent first to the Jews, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, who rejected me in the preceding verses. Remember, they wanted to kill Jesus. They were not accepting that he was Lord and Savior. But I was sent first to them to the house of Israel because I am their Messiah even if they did not embrace me. I come first to them and then you the Gentiles, you're next. You don't know anything about Moses. You don't know anything about the Ten Commandments. You don't know the story of Joshua and the crossing over the Jordan. You don't know about Abraham. And Isaac the promise. You don't know anything about that. So you are not supposed to call me. Son of David. But desperation. Will make you read somebody's story. See the story was not for her. It was for the Jews. And determination will make you cry. Even when people say. Get out of here. You are too noisy. You are not worthy. I don't like that church. They're too noisy in here. They're yelling too much. But when you remember what you have in store, you don't care about any of that. But you've got to admire this woman because she didn't give up even when Jesus dissed her, socialized her. She stayed there. But my issue is not Jesus' answer. My issue is her response. 25, verses 25. It says, Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. She worshiped him. She was not supposed to worship him. The answer doesn't make sense. But she says, you are holy in spite of what he said to her. You are worthy in spite of what he said to her. He didn't come for her. The answer doesn't make sense. But she says, thank you anyways. The answer doesn't make sense. But it does not affect my praise. Can I ask a question, I-O-G-M? Does the answer always have to make sense for you to worship him? Does he always have to give you what you want to worship him? Or can you just say, God, it doesn't matter if you bless me. I'm going to praise you anyways. I'm going to open up my mouth and give you praise. The answer doesn't make sense. Why would he give her an answer that doesn't make sense? Now, now, don't miss the last part of verse 25. And at the end of her worship, she tagged her request. She said, Lord, help me. Can you help a sister out? She worshiped him in adoration. And after she tagged her request. You see, worship creates the atmosphere for me to ask something it doesn't mean he will give it to me but i have created the atmosphere for him to respond to my request she worship after she tagged her request can you help a sister out lord can you help me and in verse 26 he finally responds He said, it is not meek to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Hold on. (laughs) After I have worshipped him, and I expect a favorable response, he called me a dog. I don't have a problem with the answer. My problem is when he gives her the answer look at when he gives her the answer after worship oh you'll catch that see he was silent until she worshipped him after she had sowed, after she had gave her all, then he responded he says it's not meek to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs what kind of an answer is there after worship I expect to be in pre-worship not after post-worship that's after i paid my tithes that is after i bless god that is after i do ministry why would he give me an answer like that i'm glad you asked because he's not moved by desperation and he cannot be manipulated i'm going to say that again He cannot be moved by our desperation and he cannot be manipulated. The Bible says that those, that's me and you, that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Your worship has to be sincere. He cannot be manipulated. Is there anyone who can say when I worship him, it's not because of what he's done for me, but because of who he is? It's not because of what he gives me. I worship him in spite of. And so if he never gives me another blessing, I still worship him. Ah, uh, If he never gives me another child, I still worship him. If he doesn't give me that Lamborghini, I still praise him. If he does not give me a mansion, I still praise him. Because my worship is not to be manipulate him, it is to magnify him. Hallelujah. <laughs> Psalms 34, 3 to 5 said, Oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. I was in prayer and he heard me. And he delivered all my fears, all my worries, all my concern. He delivered me. He not moved by desperation. He cannot be manipulated by worship. Because when Jesus said to the woman, it's not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs, the children here he's referring to was the Jews. In speaking of bread, he's referring to himself, the bread of life. In speaking of dogs, he's using the Greek word for pet dog and he's referring to the Gentiles. In other words, Jesus is saying, since I have first come, to the house of Israel, my primary focus must be on the Jews. Verse 27 is her response. And she said, true Lord. Yeah. That lady is humble. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think a child could say that all the time. Now. But true Lord. Uh-huh. Yet the dogs move eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table she said i hear you lord i understand you're working according to a certain priority i didn't even want to go there i just want to know can you help a sister out but here you go telling me about the jews the gentiles i don't care about that can you just help me and my daughter you can keep the bread. That's what she's saying. I'm just asking for the crumbs. I know I'm not qualified for the bread, but can you give me the crumb? Oh my God. How many of us will say, we just need the crumbs from the table? Some of us are looking at me strange because you probably said, if you're going to give me bread, I'm out of here. But the woman he is so desperate if you're going to give me crumbs I will accept it it don't faze me and it don't bother me because at least you've met me halfway Ah, most women if they don't get the bread they ain't settling for the crumbs ah, you'll catch that later if they don't get a man they prayed for they won't settle for what God is blessing them with They are blind-sighted because their focus is on a tall, handsome, cutie, light-skinned guy. They prayed for a tall, handsome man. And that's all he can see. That God is blessing me with something. I didn't ask, Lord, for a short man. I didn't ask, Lord, for somebody that's crippled. I've Asked for a tall, handsome man. Sometimes we miss the blessing because we come with our own agenda. We don't realize that God's agenda should be our agenda. And even though the puppy dog didn't get the breast crumb, they still get the leftover crumbs that fell from the table. They were filled. Mmm. Jesus was not trying to destroy her. He was not trying to destroy her emotions. You know, this was a, a lady that was humble. Mashay, Lord, teach me humble. Then, in verse 28b, 15, Jesus answered, said unto, "Oh, woman, that's a term of respect, ladies." Jesus used the word when he spoke to his mother. And I think that the brother mentioned it. He was all in my business. <laughs> Great is thy faith. Be unto it, even as thou will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Hallelujah. Jesus looked at this lady and said, Woman, you have mega faith. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You look at your, your neighbor and say, Your finance may be nothing, but your faith is something. Your family may be crazy, but your faith is something. You see, faith, even when it looks impossible, can bypass what you see with your naked eyes. Amen. Your job may be jacked up, but faith is something. You see, you see yourself stepping in like the CEO. Excuse me. See, no longer are you seeing yourself sitting in the cubicle like myself. See, you see yourself stepping into that door, directing CEO, and stepping in faith. Is there one in here that says I got a mega faith not just a faith because the Bible says God says she has a great faith great is mega big large not what the ordinary person see your faith is unbelievable unstoppable your faith the stuff you've been through you still have faith my gosh the stuff you've been through and you still have your praise the stuff you praying for and you still got your joy your faith is incredible your faith keeps on going even when you don't know what you're praying for but your faith your perseverance there's a reason and i'm going to close while you're standing or you're sitting next to somebody because somebody's faith has been depleted and all they need is your encouragement see when you have depleted faith that's when you need someone that has been through, that can walk you through that faith that mega faith you must share your faith with someone I want you to encourage your neighbor encourage them let them know what you've been through don't hold back don't be disappointed don't be timid don't be shy tell them what you've gone through i you know most of us we don't want to say what we've been through because we don't want nobody to know a business well faith requires the business to be known it's called mega faith when you don't hear what nobody knows about you because you know you have been delivered. It's called mega faith. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning. You may have cried over that child but know that victory is coming tomorrow. You may have cried because you don't have money but tomorrow you'll get a job. Encourage someone. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon the, wait, oh my God. It's the waiting that sometimes we don't like. It's like the microwave. I'm by the microwave all last night. I was hungry just. (laughs) I took it out from the microwave, elder. It wasn't done. That's how we want to operate when God is doing something in our lives. We want him to just move like this. But the Bible said that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall roar and not be weary. They shall walk and not faith. Ah, oh, Michael Shea. You know why? Because you're standing on mega faith in spite of what you're going through. Oh, my God. Mm. You better tell somebody. My faith is something else. Ah. If you only knew what I've been through. And sometimes when we see people crying. You think they're crying for something they're going through. You see you don't understand. When I think of the goodness of God. And what he's done for Cheryl. My soul cries out. See I have a reason to cry out. Micah. When I was down almost lose my mind all i could do was say lord here i am but what i have reflected and i saw where god have taken out cheryl and where he has placed cheryl all i could do was just do a turn around in the spirit i cry because i'm happy i cry because i'm reflecting on god's goodness towards my family if it had not been for the lord on my side isn't that what David said? If it had not been. For the Lord on my. S- then he says to the woman. And I am closing with this. Like I said I'm not going to be long. He said. Be it. Unto you. And the, and the text say. His daughter was, her daughter was healed. Her daughter was healed when? That very hour. I need to make sure that we all ha- uh, look at the clock at the back. What time are we looking at? Is that four after? I dare you to turn around and look at the clock. We don't have to wait six o'clock to praise God. Because whatever you are believing God for, this very hour, it's already done. You don't have to wait to shout when you see the result. You shout right now. I feel a release in my spirit that whatever I believe in God for, it has already been done. This very hour. See, we have to be in agreement because I said, look at that clock, that very hour, there should be a turnaround. Somebody's victory is coming that very hour, but you have to have mega faith to believe it. This very hour, deliverance for your child is here. This very hour, you are healed. Somebody's relationship is being restored this very hour. That's what he said. That hour she shall be healed. Somebody's child that's listening is coming home this very hour. If you can just Stand. Whatever you're believing God for, you just have 30 seconds to pick your feet up and give God some praise. You see, obedience, ah, whatever you're believing God for, there's already a turnaround this very hour.